Hold on, I messed up. <laughs> Hold on. Oh. There we go. <laughs> ah, what a goober. What a goober. <laughs> oh, what a donkey. Oh, what a donkey. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, December, November 17th, 2022. Welcome to episode number um 243 of simply cyber's daily cyber thread brief and i'm your host gerald osher and over the next 45 minutes i'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break into the industry we got you covered because you're definitely going to be asked in an interview how do you stay current this is an awesome answer. Before I get into it, I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream's sponsors. <laughs> Barricade Cyber Solutions. Uh, first off, love love Barricade Cyber Solutions. Eric Taylor and the gang over there. Um, definitely want to have them on your speed dial if you're getting hit with ransomware, dealing with really bad uh, compromises. Uh, Barricade Cyber Solution is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recovering from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see here on the stream if you're watching. Um, this is... <laughs> This is Barricade Cyber's website. Uh, you scroll down just a little bit. There's Eric Taylor's calendar, real-time updates. You just pop out a thing. You could talk to him at 11 a.m. today. No obligations. Just, hey, Eric, here's our situation. You know, uh, if we got hit with ransomware, you know, what would be the play here? Uh, maybe we can get a retainer or something in line. Also want to say shout out and thanks to the stream's co-sponsor, Recon InfoSec. You might notice I'm also wearing a recon infosec shirt today for a reason i'll explain in a minute if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns but maybe not quite large enough to build full-fledged security operations capabilities from the ground up check out the managed detection and response mdr offering from recon infosec their offering includes the people process and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size Recon InfoSec is a full-service MDR provider. They will manage your SIM, your SOAR. They will be able to engage and tell you what's going on. They don't just throw alerts over the fence back at you, which is what a lot of, like, kind of budget MDRs do. They are a security company led by security people. You can see if you're watching on stream, this is their website right here. Uh, links in the description below if your company needs help with security operations. Uh, MDR, again, another company, smaller business you can call. You can have an actual conversation with a real person who's not just trying to hard sell you on everything. Uh, Recon InfoSec. Now, I want to remind you, if you are um, holding a cert professional certification like SISM, SISIC, stuff like that, um, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that's, you know, one half today, but two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat and literally document the easiest way to collect CPEs. And I would argue the most enjoyable way. It's a good time in here. Ask Nathan Bolin, ask Jay Smith, ask Jonathan Booley, who just 
Well, uh, you know, welcome to the squad, Jonathan. Uh, enjoy the emotes, my friend. Ask them. They'll tell you what's up. If you are live, love it. Thank you so much for being here. It looks like we're at 76. You did get to see me make a mistake at the beginning, which is kind of funny. Um, thanks for being here. Hashtag Team Live. If you're on replay, you guys, everybody can't be here all the time. People have to sleep. This is an international show, but we, I see you. I appreciate you being here. Hashtag Team Replay in chat. Thanks so much for catching the stream. Now, if you're watching on replay and you want to get right to the briefing, jump straight ahead. No big deal. But if you're here... Um, live guess what we're gonna hang out for just a minute and have a talk i do want to say what's up everybody i did teach at the citadel this morning it was a good time i do also want to remind people that it is thursday which is why i'm wearing the recon info sex shirt they do a thursday defensive webcast every thursday at 1 30 eastern time 12 30 central it's like a zoom call um it's just security people doing security stuff i encourage you even if you're like a wallflower kind of shy just log in. You can be on. You don't even have to have a camera on. You can be listen only. Uh, it's a great, great conversation. It's great people. And it would help you slowly enter into uh, networking. Okay. So definitely appreciate that. I'll mention that again at the mid roll. So guys, if you were here right at the beginning, you may have noticed that I was just staring at the screen. I have three different applications running right now that have my video feed. And I was looking at one thinking that's what you guys are seeing. And then I realized what you guys were actually seeing was me just goober standing here being like, uh, I'll let this run for a minute and then we will, um, well, I'll let that run for a minute and then, you know, I'll start the show. So my bad mistakes happen, but I do have, I do have a fun thing. Uh, if I happen to get spicy today, I've got a new addition to the show. So stay tuned for that. If, if that can happen. Uh, Aaron, what do you want the link to? Uh, Thursday Defensive. Here it is in chat. If that's what you're asking for. If not, that's cool. How's everybody doing? Hey, Leonardo. Hey, not only IT. Yeah, no nose pick or anything. I wasn't like, um, you know, I don't even know what I could have been doing. But, you know, the funny thing is, too, is like, I was prepped. I got out of class early today. I was prepped. I was sitting here. I was like putting some new tracks on the playlist, making sure that my setup's right. I got the new Stream Deck XL. That's looking tight. Uh, and then I, and then I like literally do all the prep and then the starter pistol goes off and I immediately fall face down on the track. So these things happen guys. We have a good time and, uh, it's all about good times up in here. All right. I want to say what's up to Kuda Malashi. Thanks for the squad support. Ben, thanks for the squad support. Jared Pierpoint, definitely appreciate it. Allison Van Stone, uh, as a quick update, uh, good to see Allison and B. Cole as a quick update on the whatever pivoting into cyber series i have a phone call two people right after this or zoom call stay-at-home parent to cyber 20 years and also i don't know how to title this one yet but it's basically like second career pivot to cybersecurity. so this guy had a career for 30 years he was like 55 when he decided to pivot into cybersecurity, and he did it so um you know we're, i'm knocking these out i got a mechanic lined up I've got a pharmacist lined up. I've got a marketing person lined up. I've, I, I've, this series is going to take off. So genuinely appreciate y'all uh, submitting those suggestions. And I, I take it seriously and I'm executing on it. I'm not a blowhard up here, okay? I do jaw jack, right? Obviously. We need a jaw jack sound effect, don't we, y'all? Uh, but anyways, um, let's get into the news and we'll see if I get spicy. I, I, I really hope so. Uh, and also, it's What's Your Meme Thursday 
Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish and Chat, drops a meme every Thursday special just for you, uh, exclusive to our community. Stay tuned for that. I saw it. It's hilarious. All right? So sit back, relax, and let's get into the news. Cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Disneyland fishes with punny code. The Internet Standard Punny Code allows browsers to render domain names in Cyrillic and other non-Latin alphabets, but it's also being used to aid in phishing campaigns. Security researcher Brian Krebs highlighted its use by the financial cybercrime group Disneyland team in phishing campaigns. The group uses diacritic marks under letters produced by Punny Code to register domains that otherwise look very close to banking sites where users might not notice a small mark or think it's something on their screen. Alex Holden of Hold Security obtained access to a control panel used by the group, finding it operated dozens of these phishing domains throughout 2022. The group uses the domains to perform man-in-the-middle attacks against banking sites, obtaining passwords and any multi-factor authentication codes the user tries to log in with. Right. Okay. So this is um, this is an example of, of, of it's like a modern example of typo squatting, which basically means Guys, we we educate our end users. By the way, it, it's annoying that this threat actor group is called Disneyland, because like, come on, like that's kind of appropriated. Um, but anyways, second of all, Krebs on security, awesome blog. This guy Brian Krebs is um, definitely a, 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 a treasure to the cybersecurity community. He does a lot of good work. He takes a lot of heat. He's an investigative journalist. If you don't know about KrebsOnSecurity.com, definitely check it out. I can't encourage it enough. It's he is a um, a staple in our community. Link in chat. All right. So just so you guys know, Puni code, whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. Essentially, we treat end users. Hey, look at the domain name. If it says like chase-bank-customer-support1.com, like and in the phishing emails pretending to be Chase Bank, that probably isn't really Chase Bank, right? Like, or if it's just a bunch, if it says it's from Dick Swording Goods and you got a Yeti cooler, but the the sending address is like something 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 dot jp or whatever, right? Like, it's that should get your hackles up that there's probably something funny going on here. Well, with punny code, it's even more interesting because essentially Cyrillic alphabet. Um, you know, can be used when you're registered domain name because domain names don't care. It's just some non already registered set of letters that you pay uh, um, a domain registrar to get access to. So a couple examples you can see here, it doesn't fully make sense to me why it doesn't resolve, but you can see here, www.xn-maripris-mx0doj.com. Like no one, no business is really going to register that. But when you resolve it in a browser, it comes up like this. Now, I'm going to zoom in on this, okay, guys? Ameriprise, financial institution, right? Their URL is ameriprise.com. This is what comes up in your browser, Ameriprise. Now, you'll notice this xn dash dash, um, xn dash dash, I guess, is this A with the dot beneath it. So that is puny code, right? And this is the E with the dot beneath it. So now when you teach your end users to look for something fishy, they'd actually have to notice the dots, not that it's misspelled. So this is how they're tricking people into falling for these fishes. So a new angle, um, this is not new. Like I've seen this type of attack already, but it is good that um, 
we should educate our end users in this particular type of attack, especially with the holiday season coming. There's going to be a lot of Black Friday phishing emails. There's going to be a lot of people putting credit cards into stuff. Um, hey, tracking packages, you know, because you're you're sending pick, pick, uh, packages for gifts to people around the world, whatever. Um, there's going to be an uptick. The FIFA World Cup's coming. There's going to be a lot of uptick in fraudulent fishes and the number of them going out. And I would imagine that there's going to be an uptick in this kind of um, uh, domain name registration and attack. So educate your end users. This might even be the um, newsletter for your end users message. The effectiveness of Ukraine's IT army. At the G20 Summit's Digital Transformation Panel, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said the country's IT army successfully stopped over 1,300 Russian cyber attacks since the start of Russia's invasion. He also pointed to lessons other countries could adopt to deal with modern cyber warfare. This ranged from shifting to cloud-hosted public registers to keep up benefits for those displaced by the war, to how it kept its DIA stateside operational with over 100 contactless public services. This allowed Ukraine to keep offering things like digital passports, tax services, and other critical infrastructure. All right. And so this is interesting. This is interesting. So, okay. All right. So like, let's level set really quickly here. So way back in March, at the very beginning of the Ukrainian uh, conflict or Russia invading U Ukraine, whatever you want to call it, Ukraine President Zelensky's like, please help me, help me, help me. And because of NATO, because of geopolitics, because of not wanting to start World War III, um, you know, there was like, oh, we'll help, we'll help supply you with bullets and stuff, but we won't put boots on the ground kind of thing like NATO, United States and everything like that. Uh, we have all the cyber capability, but we're not going to do it. Ukraine's getting attacked. Uh, cyber warfare, right? Um Start. It was the start of the of the conflict before the Russia pushed troops into the different aspects of Ukraine. So Zelensky kind of backed into a corner, basically took to Twitter and said, "Hey, hashtag IT Army, um, people of the world, you know, I've asked countries to help me and they're not helping. If you individually want to help, this is how you can help." And then the you know hashtag IT Army and like they would ha like the way I understood it was. They would start tweeting like a list of targets, right? Like here is a target, like not take down Kremlin.ru, but for example, or here's some IP addresses. And we talked at length that like you have no idea who's sending those tweets, right? So if the comp account gets compromised and then some Russian thing is putting in Ukrainian assets, you could actually turn this IT army onto itself, right? So there is some risk there. But Zelensky didn't have a choice. He asked for it. Lots of people hopped on the bandwagon. I'm with Ukraine. I'm with Russia. We saw Conti ransomware gang um, sp like implode because of this. Choose a side and um, go to arms, uh, cyber arms, IT army. So now here's that kind of like uh, hot wash um, kind of managerial update, if you will, of what was the effectiveness of this IT army. And they're saying that 1,300 cyber attacks were stopped since the IT army stood up. Pretty effective. We don't have any number of how many cyber attacks were not stopped, so we don't know what percentage this would be. Also, I begin to question, how do they know how many cyber attacks were stopped? Um, it's not like, you know, it's like, is Joe in Cincinnati, who's part of the IT army, reporting in with like some regular like daily stand-up call like oh it's agile like what are you doing today what'd you do yesterday any impediments it's like oh i i, I stopped these three uh denial of service attacks something like that like obviously the it army is not doing that level of 
management. So I am curious how they were able to detect this, but the macro level interesting thing here is that Zelensky's request for aid globally did result in volunteers and uh, essentially it appears that that volunteer work did have positive impact in Ukraine's ability to defend itself from a, the cyber attacks that were being launched by the Russian side of the house. SA seeks to lower barriers to work with the private sector. CyberScoop profiled the NSA Cybersecurity Collaboration Center, which is the agency's attempt to create an environment to reduce bureaucratic barriers to work with private sector security researchers. Typically, the NSA cyber teams operate out of Fort Meade in a highly secured area. In contrast, the Collaboration Center operates out of an unsecured suburban office park in Maryland. The center works with over 250 partner organizations and facilitated over 10,000 analytic exchanges with outside analysts in 2022. Director Morgan Adamski said this facilitates quick exchanges between NSA staff and outside threat researchers that can pay huge dividends. Yeah. All right. So no surprise here. Um, again, I'm reading the book. This is how they tell me the world ends. And a lot, you know, guys, NSA employees are still government employees and the government doesn't pay great. Okay. And the NSA is top tier people. And if you go private, you get, you can make a ton of money, like just a ton of money, especially if you have really specialized skills, like finding zero days and then weaponizing them so that they work all the time. You got to remember guys, if you develop an exploit, it doesn't mean it fires correctly on every system all the time. The really good ones, the people who know what they're doing, the real good ones will fire every time. And that's what makes a nation state threat, a nation state level threat actor and sophisticated threat actor sophisticated that they can develop these really robust um, type of uh, exploits. And by the way, that's why like Eternal Blue was so rampant and so successful because it was written to be robust, right? So a lot of these NSA people are going pri uh, private, right? Now, you can have your clearance and you can have all that stuff, but every time you need to go to Fort Meade, you have to go through like unbelievable levels of scrutiny. Um, it takes time, it takes effort. If you're gonna contract with them, it takes time, it takes effort, right? So essentially what it sounds like is bureaucracy and red tape has, it, you, you don't, you, bureaucracy and red tape takes time. And in our industry and the way things move and the way threat actors adapt and stuff, time is not a luxury that we have. We need to be agile. We need to move quickly. We need to be able to pivot when something doesn't work or it gets um, circumvented or it's no longer uh, valuable, right? So by creating this uh, cybersecurity collaboration center, which is in a nondescript building um, in an office park, they basically eliminate all that stuff. Now there's no... I assume that they're having, you know, the 80% of conversations that didn't really require a uh, high level of security and scrutiny, like, oh, hey, like, here's what we're thinking, or here's what we found, or here's technologies we're looking at. It sure would be good if you started looking at this operating system, right? You can have those conversations. And then for the 20% of like, here's an exploit, let me show you how it works, or here's what our researchers found. Then you can go to the NSA, Fort Meade, and all that stuff. So to me, this entire decision is designed with speed in mind. And that's it. That's it. Great idea, by the way. Great idea, especially since so many of the NSA people leave to go open their own business and stuff. You need a mechanism to be able to collaborate with them effectively, right? Researchers find flaws in new space networking standard. NASA successfully launched its Orion spacecraft, 
Among the notable things about it, it's the first spacecraft to rely on time-triggered Ethernet, or TTE, for mixed criticality traffic over a single network. It's key for spacecraft networks to prioritize navigational or safety data while being able to deprecate non-critical flows. In the past, spacecrafts have maintained separate networks for critical and non-critical traffic. However, researchers at the University of Michigan, the University of Pennsylvania, and NASA's own Johnson Space Center published a paper showing an approach called PC spoof, which can break TTE's traffic isolation guarantees. This would allow a single non-critical device to disrupt communications between other TTE devices. In the end, this could lead to uncontrolled maneuvers that threaten safety and mission success. The attack requires a small 2.5-centimeter square printed circuit board physically on the spacecraft. NASA said it's aware of the findings and taking proactive measures to mitigate it. Holy crap, dude. Like, this this is a... Holy crap. Like, this is like... I'm getting a popsicle headache. Like, listening to this story and looking at this um, illustrations, which, by the way, I appreciate the illustrations, but good grief. Um, holy crap. Okay, so... Here's, here's what I'm... Um, Here's what I'm gathering from this. So TTE is a new um, time-triggered Ethernet, right? So I guess it's like a protocol for network traffic across uh, an Ethernet standard. Like, so your RJ45, the physical layer, right? Um, so instead of just all traffic going in and allowing the endpoints to kind of control uh, what's going on, it sounds like either in the routing itself, like in the, in the, in the uh, network devices or something, you can call out that you know this particular traffic is more important so it gets priority it gets the fast lane if you will it gets the hov lane and it's worth noting that you don't we don't see a lot of this we don't see a lot of this in corporate america but there is a need especially in manufacturing and in, in precision machinery and stuff like that for what's called real-time operating system rtos you will hear about real-time operating system from time to time but real-time operating system is exactly what it sounds like. It needs to operate in real time. No latency, no downtime, no, 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 not even downtime. It's like performance needs to be real time. Okay. So it sounds like a space shuttle might be something that you'd want real time uh, results on. So they came out with this TTE networking protocol essentially to be able to route more important stuff over less important stuff. And then it sounds like if, if my, my brain accepted this right that there is a way to attack that uh and cause you know different uh like more prioritized things to not get sent first of course i mean what are we talking about here like like how are you gonna attack like a closed system on a space shuttle i that's part of something i didn't get um if they're talking about using this standard in more large-scale applications like industrial controls and stuff like that um i guess i could see that but I don't know. I, I guess my, my question is like, what is this? Is this a solution looking for a problem or was there an actual problem? Was there, you know, failure on space shuttle missions? Was there failure of equipment because of th this real time uh, priority thing that they had to invent this standard? I, I'm not 100% sure. It's interesting. It gives me a headache, honestly. Um, but, you know, whatever. Like, good on you, researchers. That's uh, pretty, pretty cool um to do to do that research and break it and now a word from our sponsor app omni can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like salesforce and microsoft what about the data these apps can access after all one compromised third-party app 
could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps, including which end users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com to request a free risk assessment. All right, let's get the song stuck in your head today. All right, guys, it is the mid-roll, so I do want to take a minute and thank all of you for being here. Thanks again to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for sponsoring the streams. If you are getting value from the stream already, believe me, we got another whole half of uh, news and some fun stuff going on. But this is a great opportunity. If you are getting value, one way to say thank you that would really mean a lot to me is take a second and just hit the like button or the thumbs up button or whatever the button is that that tells me that you are enjoying the content and tells the algorithm that you're enjoying the uh, content so that it tells other people who are into cybersecurity, into networking, into professional settings that we're over here doing this and can get them involved. Now it is Thursday. I want to remind you all at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be there every Thursday. Recon InfoSec hosts a no script, no pitch, no nonsense, engaging like Zoom call. I, to call it a webinar is not appropriate. Um, Zoom call and anyone can join. You can be a fly on the wall. There's no expectations that you speak. You know, we don't go around the room and everybody share something. It's just really cool. And today's guest is Max from Lima Charlie. He is the brains behind Lima Charlie, which if you don't know about Lima Charlie, I've been doing a lot with Lima Charlie lately. I'm, I'm, I'm on their podcast now. Um, th th they're a really cool company. They actually just got seed funding, like 5 million bucks uh, infusion into their business. They're, they're doing uh, security as code, and they're really, really interesting. It's very cool. So uh, check it out. I do not believe that it is recorded, unfortunately, Mike B. I want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't done it already, simple.io slash newsletter. If you would like to receive an email from me every single Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern time, giving you a piece of you know, actionable information that you can operationalize. It means you can literally take what I write in the email, turn around and with very little effort, make it something that you can do for your business, your job that will reduce, reduce cyber risk, you know, incrementally. It's not like I'm, I'm putting an entire SIM solution into an email, but you know, that Disneyland puny code thing, boom, that's your end user right there. And okay, so like I can tell you to send it to your end users. If you sign up for the actionable email, I will write the email that you can copy and paste into an email and send to your end user audience. So I do the work, you get, you know, you get the rewards, your boss is like, dude, this is a great email. Like, love it. People in the end user community reach out to you because they're like, hey, I know you now. Like you always send me that great stuff. I'd love to tell you about this weird thing I just saw on my computer, okay? So take advantage of that. Simplycyber.io slash newsletter is what I do, and I think it's really valuable. All right, now it is. It is Thursday. It's meme of the week. I kind of slow played it so we could get to the la, 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 la. But Dan Reardon's delivering. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Dan Reardon, meme of the week. Kramer, turkey, Jerry, turkey. That's us right there. All right. So that's going to do it for uh, Meme of the Week. Thanks so much, guys.
I really, really appreciate it. I hope you get fun out of it. Give Haircut Fish some love in chat if uh, if you enjoy it, okay? Let's slide back in as we la-la-la-la our way back into the news. Twitter to relaunch blue subscriptions. Twitter owner Elon Musk announced that Twitter blue subscriptions will relaunch on November 29th in order to, quote, make sure that it is rock solid. The company removed signups for the revamped subscription on November 11th after a not so rock solid debut led to many verified accounts impersonating brands and people. To combat this behavior, Musk said changing your verified name will cause a loss of the blue verified checkmark until it's confirmed by Twitter. After the company laid off roughly 8,000 employees and contractors, it's unclear what capacity it will have for this kind of confirmation. No word on if Twitter will keep the subscription iOS only at the relaunch or add support for Android. In other news, app researcher Jane Manchin Wong reported that source code for Twitter for Android mentions encryption keys. All right. Sorry about that. I had a quick little thing I had to take care of. Um, Okay, so this is no surprise. Elon Musk wants to move fast and break things. Uh, he launches this $8 service, instantly gets weaponized. Uh, the first one I saw was somebody um, saying that they were Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company, and then starting immediately, insulin would be free. Eli Lilly's stock price lost 4.5% in a few hours, which if you were the person who wrote the tweet and you shorted the stock, well, um, you would have made just a bit of money, which is, you know, that doesn't hurt, right? So look at, where's the, where is it? I think, I think, I think this is the dip right here, <laughs> right? Or maybe this, like a sharp little dip. Um, or maybe actually probably this right here, this huge dip right here. So anyways, real implications, real money. Um, and you know, there's been a bunch of other things. I saw one where it, it, it was, it was Nintendo of America, blue check mark, but it was it was Super Mario Brother Mario giving the middle finger. So some people are having fun with it, some people are weaponizing it for profit and gain. But you know, I think changing the name and getting the blue check mark removed actually is a good control around this. Um, we'll see. Elon and Twitter. Uh, just in a side note. Uh, I read online yesterday that Elon sent an email to all staff, subject line, like Twitter 2.0, let's go, or something like that, where he basically said that all employees have until five o'clock today, so yesterday, to opt in to the new Twitter vision or quit their job. And the, and I think they would get like three months severance or something like that. But the new Twitter vision is you'll work late, you'll work hard, you'll work all the time, um, and we will make Twitter um, you know, awesome. So he's basically saying, like, if you want to keep your job, you got to bust your hump. And otherwise, like, you know, here's a severance package and we don't want you here anymore. And a lot of people were saying, like, oh, that means that the people who are really skilled and can actually get a job are going to leave. And the people who are less employable or were just kind of riding the coattails of other people are going to stay because, they, you know, they, they can't get another job. So then this whole, this whole Twitter thing is an absolute dumpster fire. Um, the way it's being managed and, you know, I mean, sure you can, you can move fast and break things, but 
$44 billion, you might want to, you know, have a plan first. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I don't have $44 billion. I don't own Twitter. Uh, so, you know, got to be careful with that. All right, let's keep going. This indicates the platform plans to introduce end-to-end -end encrypted direct messages. DuckDuckGo expands app tracking protection. The makers of the privacy-focused search engine launched a public beta of its app tracking protection feature on Android. The feature began as a waitlisted limited beta last year. When enabled, the feature blocks third-party trackers in apps even when not actively being used. DuckDuckGo maintains a block list of trackers for the feature. Since launching it last year, it reduced the number of excluded trackers by 50%. DuckDuckGo claims the typical Android user maintains 35 apps on their phone and can experience up to 2,000 tracking attempts from over 70 different tracking companies per day. Okay, so DuckDuckGo, which is uh, a popular uh, option if you're into privacy uh, for search, right? So it's kind of like a Google competitor for search. Big on privacy. I just want to remind everybody that DuckDuckGo got their hand caught in the cookie jar uh, maybe, I don't know, four months ago, where it was discovered that they were selling data, like... <laughs> Right. So, but of course, like what else, how else would a business generate revenue if it's like free search and we do all these things and we have developers, like they're not working for free. So, you know, some, you know, figured it out. So anyways, now they're doing tracking protection, which I really appreciate. Right. I don't know about you guys, but I have all sorts of tracking and ad blockers and stuff on my browser. And you can see here, here's an example, 5,000 attempts, block tracking. Here's all these things. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel that DuckDuckGo is doing a great thing for you. I do want to point out that it is worth noting that, again, I have no information to confirm or deny this, but like DuckDuckGo is going to know what apps were, you were, are blocked for you, right? So DuckDuckGo is going to know that I use Grubhub and when I used it and when the request was made. And they're going to know that I use Calm and how often I use it and related to other kind of um, data points. So even though you're blocking the attempts, th you are generating new data. So like what apps do people p typically use and how often do they use it and what time of the day do they use it? You know, what apps do they use one after another, right? So like there, there is data here that DuckDuckGo will be able to generate, frankly, and sell. So, uh, you know, you know if, 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 if the product's free, you know, chances are you are the product, right? So you got to be mindful of that. Now, you might not have an issue with it, right? Like, oh, who cares if I access Google and then Venmo and then Weather Channel, right? But just be mindful of that. Again, I'm not saying DuckDuckGo is collecting and selling that data, but it is data points that they could, they could sell. 10 new ransomware families on the scene in the last six months. That finding comes from Avanti's ransomware report from Q2Q3. Overall, those 10 new families led to a total of 170 documented ransomware families actively seeking to exploit targets. It also found some troubling gaps in ransomware prevention. 18 ransomware vulnerabilities did not get surfaced by popular scanners. The rise in ransomware vulnerabilities also saw a lag in government response, with 124 vulnerabilities not added to CISA's mandatory patch list. The report corroborates anecdotal reports that healthcare, energy, and critical manufacturing remain the most targeted industries. All right. Uh, I'm just reading this really quickly. Um, so this is a report from Avanti, which makes uh, centralized management solutions. So, you know, grain of salt with uh, their findings in here. But 
some interesting findings around ransomware and kind of the development of it, where it's going. Um, as of Q322, a total of 170 documented ransomware families have actively sought to exploit vulnerabilities. Okay, so families, so like Lockbit's a family, Conti's a family. So uh, that's a lot of families. So we talk about the big, the big ones, Hive, Vice Society, right? But there's also, you know, probably 140 that we've never heard of. Um, I'm sure Blue Defenders have heard of them, Eric Taylor, Eric Capuano, like you guys have heard them, but for the most of us, we don't hear it. So just be mindful that there's a lot of threat actors out there. 10 new ones, no big deal. Um, this is interesting. So current scanners are actually missing 18 ransomware vulnerabilities, um, which is interesting because it's not ransomware. Ransom, here's, here's a misunderstanding, guys. Like to me, this doesn't even make sense. And please, someone in chat, feel free to push back on this one. To me, this doesn't make sense. Ransomware doesn't, like, ran, like, I don't think of ransomware as exploiting vulnerabilities. You exploit the box, you get control of it, you maybe escalate privileges to a uh, system account, and then you install ransomware. Ransomware is just a piece of software that encrypts files. Ransomware is not an exploit, as far as I know. So even yesterday, I did Lockbit live on uh, air on ThreatGen, and I emulated their TTPs, and they use Sock Golish, um, a malware-laden email with Sock Golish, and once it detonates on the machine, it takes it over, it pulls down, well, first of all, it disables uh, antivirus, and then it, push, it pulls down uh, uh, Cobalt Strike, and then it, you know, it, it starts iterating over things, but it uses PSExec, to run the ransomware. So ransomware vulnerabilities, like, I, I'm sorry. It, 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 this bothers me. And again, please in chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but like this bothers me because if someone's new to the industry, the people who are trying to break in and stuff and they see this, this is confusing as hell. This doesn't make sense. Um, so again, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> I don't think I am. Uh, almost got a little spicy there, guys. I almost had to pull out the new feature, but I, I, I didn't. So, all right. So, oh, actually, can I even pull out the new feature? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, you. I do. So two new vulnerabilities being effectively exploited, Avos Locker and Cerber. Okay. So I guess maybe according to this, Avos Locker and Cerber exploit vulnerabilities. I'm just real quick here. I'm sorry to do this live, but like this is uh, annoying me. Article from Veronis, Cerber. Ransomware, okay. Um, yeah, I don't, this is a malware. This is a malware payload. This is not an exploit. Okay. Um, so look at right here, okay? So this is just a random article I just Googled and pulled up, okay? For example, you could download a rootkit that could disable your AV before it downloads and activates server. The rootkit is the, like you've are, like if you could download a rootkit, then you're executing on the box. The rootkit maybe that ex is exploiting a vulnerability and getting on the box and elevating privileges and then disabling AV. Then it downloads and activates server. Server is not exploiting a vulnerability. It's annoying. This is not accurate information, man. All right. Okay, a new weakness category is contributing to ransomware vulns, whatever. Um, healthcare energy. Okay, so this is actually pretty interesting. Healthcare energy and critical manufacturing. 
Um, oh, that's a cool graphic. Be mindful of this. If you work in healthcare, energy, or critical uh, manufacturing, just manufacturing in, genery, in general, um, then be mindful that you are a high, you have a higher target of um you're a higher target of uh being targeted for this. David Campo says I'm confused, I'm a newbie. All right, I do like to um clarify. Okay, so re really quickly, guy. Uh David Campo and, and thank you for saying that you're confused, David, so I can explain this, okay? Check this out. When when you um just because we got an extra couple minutes here, right? Cyber kill chain. Let me just show you really quickly. Think of how a threat actor operates, okay? Where's my go-to graphic? There's one I really love. Hey, thanks for the sub. Appreciate it. Where's my go-to cyber kill chain look? Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, so check this out, guy. And everybody in chat, okay? Oh my God. I don't want to download it, man. I just want to look at it. Okay, so check it out. This is, you know, the basically cyber kill chain. So if if you're if you're a bad guy, a criminal, and you're gonna hack somebody, right? You're gonna hack them and download, and you're gonna put ransomware on it, okay? David Campos, we're gonna install ransomware on a victim, okay? Let's do B-Sex company. So B-Sex at work, he's working in transportation. He's like feeling pretty good about himself. How do we de how do we detonate ransomware? That report says that ransomware exploits vulnerabilities. That is absolutely incorrect. Exploiting a vulnerability means taking a weakness that exists in the system and doing something to take advantage of it. Typically, you can do something by exploiting a vulnerability by running a piece of code that isn't supposed to run, and then you get to be able to be on the machine, like you're a user on the machine now, okay? So I know that this is in Spanish, so uh, or I think this is Spanish. So Leonardo, um, I think you speak Spanish, right? You've helped me in the past with that. It doesn't matter. This is recon. The first thing is recon. What kind of systems, what IP ranges, what are they using? What's going on? What vulnerabilities exist, right? You can scan. We're going to scan BSEC's uh, network infrastructure, okay? We scan it. We find a listening service on a VPN concentrator, okay? Some external facing server that we can hit from wherever we are, okay? The next step is preparing. Okay, so we found it. Let's go find an exploit, an actual exploit that can exploit that vulnerability, not ransomware. We're finding an exploit. So go to exploit DB, uh, Metasploit, whatever you want, and we're gonna exploit it. We then deliver that exploit, whether it's an email with a rootkit attached or it's us firing uh, an exploit directly at the VPN concentrator, right? So let's, let's do an email to make it simple. We send BSEC an email and say, hey, you just want a Yeti cooler, click here to win it. He clicks there, it installs the rootkit, which is a piece of software that you're not supposed to, it hides on the computer and it allows service. As Soon as the rootkit's installed, BSEC doesn't see it. He's pissed he didn't get a Yeti cooler, but no big deal, he goes back to his job. The rootkit then reaches, oh, by the way, that's where exploitation occurs right here, this step. Now the installation step, the rootkit, First thing it's going to do is reach out to us and say, hey, what's up, David Campos? We own BSEC's computer. What do you want to do now? The next thing we do is tell it what we want to do, which is command and control, this step right here. We say, hey, we're the bad guys. We want to detonate. We want to push ransomware. So, <clears throat> so we push server ransomware down to their machine. It's just like downloading Google Chrome or TeamViewer or Microsoft Word. It's just a piece of software you're downloading onto the machine, okay?
It, do, it I mean, it doesn't matter that it's malicious ransomware, bad guy software. It's just software. All right. Once we get it on BSEC's machine, now if we're stupid, we'll just detonate it on his machine. If we're smart, we'll actually start the cyber kill chain over and iterating over the network, finding more vulnerable things, installing ransomware, then detonate it all at once. But for this simple example, David Campos, we've got his box exploited. We've installed our software that allows us to control it. And now we just simply have them download server ransomware. And this final step, action on objective, we detonate the ransomware. And then you and I are going to Bali and drinking delicious drinks out of coconuts. Okay? That's that's what's going on. I hope that clarified it. I hope that clarified it. Yeah, we would pivot. Uh, but anyways, so so to, long story short, man, to call it... Hold on, where where am I? To call, Here, I, I actually... Here, get, get, my, get my spicy look going here. To call it... To call it ransomware vulnerabilities is obnoxious. I don't agree with this. I don't like it, okay? Now, scanners looking for things that ransomware would take advantage of, I, I guess, or, or ways that ransomware gets in, I would, I would do. But, but, you know, again, I'd love to have a conversation. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not thinking of something. Um, but you even like Emotet, right? Hold on. Let me get, let me get right open here. Emotet. You, you, with, with Emotet, Emotet would pull down, do the, do the sniffing and stuff like that. Then it would bring TrickBot down, which went YOLO on everything. And then, then you would install Ryuk ransomware. Okay? Jesus. All right. Fancy. All right, let's keep going. Google announces rollout for Android Privacy Sandbox. The search giant announced its Android Privacy Sandbox back in February, designed to provide more private advertising solutions on mobile devices. Now the company says an initial beta will come to Android 13 devices early next year. Developers will need to enroll for the beta, which will see them verify their identity. Once enrolled, developers will gain access to new ad-related APIs and start testing with their own apps on their own devices. Google says it hopes the privacy sandbox will allow developers to remain profitable with their current business models while letting consumers reduce being tracked across sites without consent. That's cool. So... Yeah, this is pretty interesting. So instead of Android, instead of Android uh, just pushing down new privacy settings and and saying here you go, they're actually providing a sandbox. A sandbox is basically like a development environment that people can play with to see how upcoming features, upcoming you know modifications, changes, architecture changes, whatever, how they will affect their application. It's a form of testing. So in, in the world of software development, there's three kind of phases or three areas, right? And they're, they're sequential. There's dev, development, there's test, and then there's prod. You shouldn't, production, you shouldn't push, you, you make changes to your app in dev, right? You don't push it to prod and be like, I hope it works. No, you push it to test, then you have people test, and then changes from tests that get approved move to prod. So there is a sequential, it, it, it's, it's basic software engineering 101. Like, you, like anytime you push something from dev to prod, you're going you're gonna to run into a problem. Or if you're actually developing straight up in prod, you're going to run into problems eventually. Okay, so this is cool. And, you know, people are like privacy is becoming more front and center. People are really interested in that. And Android's rolling it out. Uh, so I genuinely appreciate that. Um, I, I'm running over right now, so I actually want to go because I have a 1045. Let's face it. The cyber attack service just keeps... All right. So we're, that's the show for today. I'm sorry for being really...
for being really curt here at the end. I, I am glad you guys got to see the laser eyes. I, I, I did that yesterday. I thought it was fun. Guys, later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, I'm excited to welcome Zach Hill. Many of you know Zach. Um, he's a YouTuber. He's a great guy. He works over at TCM now. We're going to be talking about cyber education problem and more of a fireside chat. So I don't know where the conversation is going to go. But many of you know Zach. He is a good guy. Um, and he cares a lot. Okay. So thanks, everybody. I got a boogie. I got a 1045 with one of the people who I'm hoping to interview for the um, pivoting into cyber. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow at, well, we'll see you today at 4.30 p.m. or tomorrow at 8 a.m. for the final threat briefing of the week. Take care.